trending news right now. Okay, so what's happened on social media in the last 72 hours? Atleha Mulefe, our social commentator, is here to help us unpack and uh, get in the know or updated. Atli, how are you? Hello, Asanda. Well, thanks. And how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. Was the weekend good? Um, yes, I did get some time to rest. I didn't actually do anything. And how was yours? It was good. Thank you. I missed you last week because I was off. So I feel like I haven't spoken yeah. to you in forever. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. But let's start uh, talking hashtag Jacob Zuma. Uh, the former president, Jacob Zuma, is said to take his fight over his 15-month imprisonment for contempt of the uh, Constitutional Court to the African Court on Human and People's Rights. He's using all avenues, isn't he? That you, um, I think that now he feels like the Constitutional Court is failing him, and now he's decided to take it to the African Court. Um, so I do think that the foundations themselves, um, one, it's just a way of trying to fight accountability and not want him to actually be held to account. But also, too, it's very funny how they were now asking for money from the public. But they are also the same people who are just going through so many avenues to make sure that he's not held to account for it. So hopefully, like the African court can now provide him with the basic human rights that he feels that the constitutional court is denying him. And as you say, I mean, it's the Jacob Zuma Foundation that uh, revealed this. They confirmed this issue, uh, this situation. But uh, the foundation also saying that Zuma had been in consultation with his legal team on the different recent developments. Do you think his uh, legal team was really the one advising this next move or it was more on the side of the Jacob Zuma Foundation? Um, I do think that the legal team themselves have also been advising them to take it even a step further. Um, Because if it was just the foundation... Um, they wouldn't have actually came up with the plan to now, you know, override the constitutional court and decide to go to the African court. So I do think that it's a, definitely a collective decision to try and make sure that he's not held to account, basically. Yeah. And what do you think is going to pan out in terms of this? I think the usual thing where um, he's really not going to be held to account, it's just going to be um, a lengthy process of someone who's just using different avenues to make sure that they do run away from accountability. So I think that eventually um, we're just going to forget about it and eventually we're just going to um, see him not being held to account really for anything. This has definitely, I mean, changed things. And uh, how do you think it's going to, you know, be translated moving forward in terms of uh, our leaders and and how they handle situations of, you know, stepping in and taking accountability? Um, I think it's always going to be a conversation about how justice is, like, often twisted for one's liking. So it means that if you assume a particular position in society, it means you're exempted from being held to account for the things that you do. Which the unfortunate part about it is that with the democratic system, we all anticipate that we're all free in the eyes of the law and therefore whatever you do, you need to be held to account. But I think this one also just, um, you know, highlights how the justice system in South Africa works, that if you hold a particular position in society, you will never be held to account for the things that you do. 
We're still, I mean, uh, as the country is uh, wrapping our heads around him being in hospital and uh, the medical parole that he's got. And we, you know, I think maybe becoming more sensitized to that issue. Do you think now this new development is going to make us more sensitized or do the opposite? Um, I think it would really just, it, it would definitely do that because now we are already tired of the justice system and even when we've been following through his, you know, court ruling and what they did, being offered a medical parole. Um, and I think now, just as a society, we've decided that this is just how it is, and therefore we don't really care about it anymore. So I think it's just like that. Mm. Okay, let's talk hashtag Baldwin Properties, uh, the property development uh, company. So they have changed rules for tenants and Airbnb owners that are part of a the Blyde which is a, I don't know, an estate or complex. And uh, this is uh, also because of a place called Pretoria Beach. It's a man-made lagoon that is part of this estate. Let's talk about this. I think this is a conversation that took place over um, the last weekend. Everyone was actually talking about it, about how they're making guests pay money. And um, there was also just a lot of conversations unpacking about how property works and really just about how that one, like specifically making people pay, um, how problematic it is. And um, I I think for me personally, the conversation itself needed to happen because now people started highlighting a lot of injustices that are happening. And the fact that um, for as long as the rules remain, then it means that guests will always be expected to pay that amount of money and how unfair it is because even someone as young as two years um, also has an obligation to pay that amount of money. So I think for me, it really just highlighted a lot of things. So then what is the amount and what are they saying is the reason for making people pay this amount to have access to this Pretoria Beach? Um, the amount is, I think, is 250 rand. Um, and obviously the reason why you want you would want people to pay in any properties to make sure that you can maintain the place and also just to make sure that it is, I mean, you know, it is quite exclusive and that you're able to profit from it. Um, so I think those are the reasons why actually they want people to pay. Um, but now everyone is really complaining about it and saying that it's unfair and that they shouldn't really be paying. And yeah. What is the logic behind, you know, also the increasing of levies for property owners who are renting out instead of those who are owning or living as they own in the property? I think for me, uh, when I think about it, and even when I was, um, you know, listening in on some of the spaces of the, on, on, on the TL, uh, I think mostly it's just about now people making money, people making profit, and it's not so, it's about like, getting into, you know, owning the property, but also just making sure that you're able to gain as much revenue as possible. And even if it means that making people um, pay a lot of money for it, it's just a way of thinking about it in terms of saying that if people are desperate for it and people if we, people really do want it, then it means that you have to increase your prices because they'd be always willing to pay for it. And I mean, if somebody is renting out their property, they that's a money-making way. It's it's yeah. a business for them. So yeah. they, they're going to want to not lose their income. And in, in a way, it's forcing them to pay because they don't want to lose their tenants. That's true. That's, that is 
definitely what it is. And now um, I think that it's just still going to be an ongoing conversation because um, even people are now trying to explain how it works. And I think it just has been really quite informative and interesting to listen in on how it works and what the way forward is and how they can, you know, try and mitigate everything and whether it's possible to do it or not. I think it's just quite a very informative um, thing. It feels like a discrimination also against tenants because why should I, as a tenant, be, you know, treated differently than somebody who is an owner as though I'm there for free? I'm also paying to be there. And, I mean, the reason that I was attracted to the place in the first place is whatever the, you know, enmities are there. I mean, it's a luxury apartment, there's a gym, there's this lagoon, mm. and that's what attracted me to come here instead of where I could have gone elsewhere. Um, I think in terms of, especially when it comes to property, uh, discrimination is just bound to happen. And for as long as they exist as, you know, private entities thinking that they cannot, um, they are not subjected to government, so therefore they can't comply with those rules, it means that they will continue to, you know, discriminate against specific people. Um, so I do think that a lot of times then it calls for also for government to try and intervene mm. and to make sure that the same people are protected from that kind of discrimination. Um, but if they exist separately, then usually um, they're not held as much to account. Because now even when people took it as far as talking about how um, if they don't have ownership of that place to begin with, especially maybe as black people, it means that they are still going to suffer because they are largely going to be affected by this kind of discrimination for the longest time. So do you think that uh, the argument of that this is classist holds? It really does. Most of the time, it it really does. I I, I do think that um, it's, it's just a thing where even when we do talk about it, but there isn't much that's done to ensure that um, specific people are protected from it. So it's just going to be a conversation, but there isn't really much that's going to be done in terms of execution to make sure that we protect people. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's talk hashtag Jolie Di Matango now, the newly elected Johannesburg mayor passing away in a tragic car accident. It, it is really sad because in just the space of a month, um, we've also lost another one. So now it, it's it's just a very sad. And, and thinking about the amount of work that he has also been you know, putting in and how he has been you know, changing the changing ever since he he got into office, there's a lot of changes that have been made. So it it really is so sad now to, you know, accept the fact that he's he's gone and that they have to look for someone else to occupy that position. Mm. And Uh, I don't know what's going on with the linkage with mayors and car accidents, but this was mm. on Saturday evening and he was coming from an ANC electioneering program with the, the president in Soweto. Are mayors supposed to be driving themselves? They don't have drivers? Um, I, I also I was shook because I thought that like the moment you hold office, specific office for that matter, um, you need to have a driver. So I think now it's not really a thing. I think people just drive themselves around, um, and even when you know they're tired, and even when and I, I honestly don't support it. I think that they should really change the fact that they should be driving themselves around. And I don't even know what we can say about his legacy. Is there one? Because he was literally there just over a month, about six Mm -hmm. weeks. 
but I think he's done a lot for like the party itself, even before he um, occupied that position. Because even when young people were sharing their stories and how they've interacted with him in, on so many occasions, you can really see that this is someone who just wanted to, you know, make a change, and and he really did try to do it with also the limited time that he ha- he had as a mayor. But outside of that, he's someone who has been you know, actively contributing towards those development and just being impactful in society. Yeah, and, and before him, I mean, he was replacing Jeff Makubo, who also had died yeah. uh, from COVID-19 complications. This position of Joburg Mayor maybe needs some cleansing. Hey, we are black yeah, after all. Yeah, that's true. Hey? That is really true. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk hashtag Royal AM, talking sports now. Uh, Andy Lempisane and Mamkees are celebrating their big victory against Kai's Chiefs. Uh, quite a, a great, uh, nice story to end on. That is true. Um, I mean, such a small team mm. going up against a big team and being able to win, um, I think it's something that's worth celebrating. And it really does show that they are putting in the work to make sure that the team is competitive. So um, it's it's just really funny, but also amazing to see when you know young teams, ones that were underestimated, the underdogs are able to rise and actually go up against like big teams and win against them. Yeah, and I mean it's a proper proper win, four one to yeah, Kaiser Chiefs. Four one is proper years. It wasn't mm-hmm. like they really put yeah. in the work there. And that uh, is true. Uh, the Kaiser Chiefs fans just now, obviously, always blaming things on the coach. They want the coach to be sacked. What do you make on that? I think that's usually what happens in, in in football and something that I don't understand, that every time when the team is not doing well, the person that is held to account is the coach and they really do want him to be removed now because the team hasn't been doing well for some time. So I don't understand the logic, but um, that's just basically what they do most of the time. Yeah. And, I mean, do they expect to be winning all the time? Stuart Baxter has done well as coach. <laughs> Why now must he be shown the door? Because he's, Do you think it's because he's lost to a small, you know, as you say, the underdog uh, team? Yeah. Definitely that. I think that that's just basically what angered most people, the fact that they lost against um, a small team, like a very new team. Um, and um, I think that's just it. And... Also because as a, you know, a big team like Kaiser Chiefs, they will always expect to win every single tournament and to be doing well. But uh, guys, not, uh, you know, yeah. people don't win all the time. And as you say, I mean, the coach is not the one playing the game. It's the whole team of yeah. people who are playing. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, but he's the one that needs to be held to account. Yeah, oh, shame. That yeah. position, I don't know how people take that and, and just go on with it. But I guess they get paid a lot, so it's fine. That's they true. can deal with it. But also, it's I mean, it's nice to note that when this team came to the fore, the Royal AM team, they, you know, the owners were saying that they were not even looking at competing with the big guys, the Chiefs mm. and the Mamelodi Sundowns and Pirates. Uh, they were just trying to, you know, you know, unearth talent in KwaZulu Natal and just make mm. those people who wouldn't have a chance have a chance. Which is great. I really think I honestly love it when those small teams win against big teams because. Um, it really does show a lot. And even opening the platform to those people who wouldn't otherwise be given the platform to play, it's really nice to see it happening. And also, you know, how it it, it just, you know, amplifies someone when they win against a big team 
It makes them hungry for something. It makes them want to actually play more. It makes them want to actually do more in terms of like the you know sports career. Mm. So I think it is really in, nice to see them win and actually go from you know winning from win, winning against bigger teams. Yes, and Mumkeys obviously has a good reason to celebrate. Do you think now she gains more credibility in this role as a woman, or we had already believed in her? Um, I think she gains more credibility, and I just really just liked her celebration more than anything. I think she just changed the way we really do celebrate victory. So I think she did definitely gain more credibility after this win. Yeah, I feel like we should be running the or playing that Running the World song by uh, Beyonce. <laughs> now, that is true. We could just cue that. That would go in perfectly with that story. That is true. Yes. Well, well, done, well done to Royal AM. Let's leave it on that note, uh, Atlehang. Thank you so much for joining us. Always great chatting to you. I hope you have a great week. Thank you so much, Osanda, and same to you. Thanks, Atlehang Mulefe, social commentator, discussing what's happened in social media in the last 72 hours in our trending topics. Here is Celine Dion with I Am Alive. Our time is 22 minutes past four.